Welcome. Welcome, my friends, to the Beggars and Brawlers podcast. This is episode 36, recorded January the 6th of our new year, 2022. And as is only proper at such a time, I have a ninmatsu ninshi, which is a Japanese term for, uh, I guess, birth of year, death of year. But it's a party that they have to reflect on the year that's been and the year that's coming. So I don't know if this podcast is a party, but it is a ninmatsu ninshi because I want to talk about what I learned in this last year and how I'm planning to implement it writing-wise in the year that's coming. Plus, I've got some news of a new project that is coming soon. So, I'm not going to say the expected thing of, oh, this was a year, whatever, whatever, bad year, COVID, COVID. I'm more concerned about uh, figuring out what I learned from this year, whether it was hard or good or whatever. I want to keep learning and growing as a person, uh, but specifically as a writer. So I would say that the big thing that I learned this year from writing the books that I did, I released Daughter of Flood and Fury and wrote Witch of Wealth and Ruin and wrote the bulk of Rebel of Riddle and Woe and wrote a fair amount of The Dragon Bard, which actually, now that I say it, that was a lot of books. (laughs) I often get frustrated with like how slow it feels like I'm going, but I put out a lot of books last year, not to mention the four books that my publisher put out, but (laughs) those I had written previously. Um, But anyway, I would say the biggest thing that I learned from writing those is I got to give each book space to be its own beast. Like, I really want to just schedule, like, here's a three-month block. We're writing this book. It'll be done in that time. It'll be this length, whatever, because I gave myself quite a while to write Witch of Wealth and Ruin, because Daughter of Flood and Fury had taken me uh, a fair amount of time, and especially with the revisions. And then that book just flew out of me, and my editor was like, yeah, there's not much wrong with it, maybe cut this one fight scene kind of thing, and it was done super fast. Uh, and then high on that experience, I was like, well, I'm going to crush book three of this series, right? Um, and I spent like a month and a half trying to plan it, and it didn't work, and I didn't understand why. And then it was summertime, so I decided to do The Dragon Bard, and that book... You know, I was trying some different things. I would say mostly what I learned with that one is that I have to know the world before I can write the story because I was trying to write it by dictation and that's a whole thing in itself. But mainly I just didn't know where I was or necessarily who my characters were when I was trying to dictate it as I drove long distance. And the first few chapters were super hard on that. Uh, And I think I found my feet. And that is a cool thing that I accomplished last year is getting better at dictating fiction because that's the secret superpower of a lot of authors who write a lot of books and I would love to be that author who writes a lot of books as long as they're up to the quality that I want and I'm not there with dictation yet but the practice last summer was really interesting and I think I'm going to do it again this year um it just I just needed to know the world before I got into actually writing the story but anyway having written book two of the Tidecaller Chronicles so quickly I kind of thought that book three, now called Rebel of Riddle and Woe, was going to come out of me just as fast. And over the summer, I realized that it was not one, but two books, (laughs) as I've told you previously. And that helped a lot. And the plan came out super easy. But the book itself has gone a little bit slower than I thought it would, just because I think because the conflicts in it are really different. This is not so much a like external fight scene kind of book, the way that uh, Witch of Wealth and Ruin very much was. This is more of a characters fighting with each other and with themselves kind of book. And that conflict, just for me as a writer, it takes me a little longer and I have to be a little bit more careful with it because I have to really stay true to my character's character, for lack of a better term. Um, 
And so I'm learning that I just got to give this book the space that it needs to be the best that it can be because there is no point in writing it if it's not the best that it can be. So that was interesting. And I do think that I'll be able to settle into not caring about my schedule so much, even though I have this desire to write quickly. More important to write well. So I think that Rebel of Riddle and Woe is going to take me into probably February of this year to get the first draft done, take a little break, then revise it, and then produce it so that it'll finally be out in audiobook form for you, because I know you don't like reading. <laughs> or maybe you do, but it'll be out in both forms. Um, so that's the main thing that I took away, and I am going to really try to do that this year. Um, I doubt that I will get book four drafted before summer comes again if I'm finishing up in February and then summer comes really starts in May for me um, I'll probably just switch over to the Dragon Bard and hopefully be able to make a lot of progress on that as I get better at dictating and also because I know the world and the characters so much better now having spent a lot of time with them in this off season. so that's kind of the plan so far is to give myself that space and uh, once I'm done with the summer to write to finish book four in the Tidecaller Chronicles, which is going to wrap up this arc of Alethea's story. Uh, as you know, I have a lot more books planned in this series, but I don't know after I finish Queen of Blood and Blasphemy if I'm going to jump right into them, or if I'm going to like jump fully into Dragon Bard and maybe finish up that trilogy, because yes, what started off as a simple idea for maybe not even a novel is now at least a trilogy. <laughs> but um, I might do that, or, you know, I've got so many other ideas rattling around that I might do some of those. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is not a lesson learned so much as a lesson finally accepted, is that I need to do something else with my writing time this year. Um, and to explain this, I kind of have to explain what the hell I'm trying to do as an author. I've always had three goals. The first one is to write the best books I can, and I'm so focused on that every day. And I hope that it shows. I'm really trying to be the best writer that I can. I don't think there's a point in writing books if they're not the best I can make them. Um, and I think there's so many good books out there that if they're not, nobody's going to read them. Um, so that's always my first goal and primary goal. The second goal is to have those books read. I don't want to write great books and then not have them get into your hands. Um, and I've done an okay job of that. A lot of people have read my books and I get feedback from readers and I absolutely love all those interactions, love hearing from you. And tied to that, but not the same thing is goal number three, which is to make money at doing this. And, you know, like if I do goal number two and lots of people read it, unless I'm just giving my books away, I'm probably doing goal number three, but, uh, it has become abundantly clear to me that I'm not doing goal three well enough. And I'm so obsessed with goal one of writing books really well that I'll basically spend 95% of my day writing the book and polishing it and making it beautiful. And then at the end be like, oh God, I should do something for launching this book or I should make some ads and then I run out of time and have to go take care of my kids. That's kind of how it's gone for the last five years. And that needs to change. Um, because if I make money, that means that I'm also doing goal two of getting more people to read my books. And I just, you know, I would like this to be a career, and it's not yet. So, goal number one is going to have to take a break, which is really, really hard for me to say. But the plan is, after I finish Rebel of Riddle and Woe, to stop writing and use all of my writing hours to take this course on marketing. 
Every author agrees this is the course to take on marketing. It's called Ads for Authors by Mark Dawson. And uh, everybody says, wow, it's intense and deep. And if you do it really well, you're going to be able to sell your books if they don't suck. So assuming that my books don't totally suck, and if they do, you're probably not listening to this. So at least you and I are on the same page here. Hopefully at the end of this, I can get a lot better at goal three. And honestly, even though all I want to do is write, I don't really want to be a marketer. 2022 will feel so much better to me if I start hitting goal number three, because I don't really feel like I ever have. It's part of the reason that I signed up with a publisher is because I thought, well, they're a publisher. They'll be much better at goal number three. And they are. But they're splitting the money that's made between me and them. And they do a lot of the marketing work. And, you know, like, it'll be a lot easier to make a career of this if I'm keeping all of the proceeds instead of splitting it with them. And you just don't care about other people's books in the way that you care about your own. And I do not hold that against them. But if I can figure out how to market, I'm going to be putting a lot more elbow grease into it than a publisher will. So um, that is the goal, is to get better at marketing. And part of me quails in fear before the idea of just learning marketing <laughs> five hours a day or whatever I do. And uh, another part of me I've been happy to find is pretty excited about it. More so excited about the idea of just being a student of anything, but also thinking long-term about accomplishing it and making money and getting a lot more readers. That's, I can't tell you how exciting that is to me. That's just like, you know, that is goal number three. And I think, oof, I can hit that. Yeah, it'll be amazing. So that is a big goal for this year. And I think it's going to happen starting in February. And that's one of the reasons that book number four won't get drafted before the end, before the beginning of the summer. And that's just a cost that I'm accepting because I've actually had this course for over a year and I've had other things that I could do for years and years now. And I always put them off in favor of writing the next book. And at a certain point, it doesn't matter how many books you have if you can't figure out how to tell people that you have these books and that they're good. So that's the thing that's going to happen. On the bright side, on the marketing side and the making money side, December 2021 was the most profitable month I've ever had. And that feels super good. I made real money. Not going to name numbers, but it was like three times as much as I've ever made before. And that is pretty much all thanks to one promotion, which I did line up myself, but also was kind of dumb luck that, hey, this promotion really worked in a way that others haven't. But it also kind of feels good as I start this marketing thing to be like, okay, it's not impossible. I can do it. I have done it a little bit. Um, so, yeah. And then I'll get back to being goal number one, write good books. And hopefully marketing can just take like 10% of my time because I'll be good at it instead of the 5% in which I just despair of ever being good at it. <laughs> um, so I do have a chapter of The Dragon Bard for you today, chapter 11, Freezing Strange. But before I get to that, I wanted to tell you about this new project I have, because it might feel like, oh my god, he's not getting book three out until February, and then we're gonna have to wait until the fall to get book four? That's too long! So, um, you know that I polled you last time on what novellas it would be cool for me to write, and you were clear on one of them, and the cool thing is, that's the one that I wanted you to pick. <laughs> this has happened before, although sometimes you do answer completely different things than I'm expecting. But uh, when it comes to stories, it seems like the people who answer my polls are usually on the same page as me, or maybe I just write more interesting descriptions of the things that I want to write. But um, however it worked out, y'all picked the one that I wanted to write. So I am, I have already started, actually. I've planned and written the first few thousand words of a novella focusing on Gaxna, 
who's a character who comes very early on in the first book of the Tide Collar Chronicles. And this one will be set uh, in the months before the beginning of book one. And it has Gaxna getting involved in this murder mystery and pulling her back into the Therakens Guild, which she despises so intensely, um, and sort of dealing with her past issues and also laying some seeds for stuff that is not going to come out until this book that I'm writing now, book three. So it's going to be really fun to tie things up that way, and I'm already having a lot of fun writing it. And uh, the part of me that cares about goal number one so intensely is like, hmm, I could keep writing book three or I could jump into this one. And the other part of me is like, no, 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 learn marketing before you do this. But anyway, I think that realistically there will be a break between finishing book three and revising it because I need a little bit of time to get some distance. So I think in that break I will probably write this novella. And then the revision and production of it will be no big deal compared to a full novel. So it will probably come out um, a little before or a little after book three. So there's a couple cool things to look forward to coming soon from me before I disappear down the hole of marketing. <laughs> Hopefully I come out victorious, but no promises. Um, in the meantime, we have got chapter 11 of the Dragon Bard for you. This one's called Freezing Strange. And the same caveats apply that I say every time. This is the first draft of this book. It's not the first revision, because I've already revised it once. I do that as I write it, but um, it's not its final form, and so I'm not going to read you the whole chapter. I'm going to wait until I have the book as good as I can make it before I spend the time to actually read it well. Um, instead, I'm going to just kind of read it off the cuff to you, and not read all of it, but read like enough so that you get interested in the chapter and go read the rest of it. There are links to the chapter and all the chapters in the show notes. So um, if you're not caught up, you can click those now and get caught up before you listen to this, or after you listen to it, you can go read the newest chapter if you are all caught up. So without further ado, here is chapter 11, Freezing Strange. The bard whistled to his dragon as he walked harmonizing the unnamed jig to the low moan of the wind through the ice dunes. To the south, the gauntlet mountains stuck blue above the horizon, like a row of razor teeth biting sky. His mind worked like those teeth as he walked, gnawing at the story he'd heard from the harvester at Copper's Lee Caldera. The man had been out harvesting a hibernating mare. Harvesting, never poaching, that was an imperial word, and seen an unusual flotilla of dragons in the sky. Biggest one I've seen in ages, the man had said, furs bristling with metallic droplets of blood from his work. That's what made me look. It's close to the gauntlets. You see him now and then. The elders. Elamog had just nodded, used by now to the inflated tales of men who work the ice, and the way his presence seemed to bring them out, as it brought out the deepest gossip from the women. Both were useful, which is why he always gave his name. But finding the truth in that kind of talk was like tuning without a pitchfork. It took a careful ear. What the man had said next had rung true. Wasn't what made me watch, though. That was the rest of the clutch. Freezing strange for a wildling pack. Half of them were copper scales, the rest of them gray and green, like they'd come from all over the ice. And none of them cobalt except the elder. The harvester had leveled a bushy, eyebrowed gaze at him. Another attack, unless I miss my mark. The strength of that suspicion had driven the bard from Copper's Lee Caldera, where he'd been the last four days, studying records. The blacksmith there kept track of all attacks and sightings around Coppersley, dating back nearly to its settling eighteen years before. 
The data was good, and some pattern in it nagged at him, but it would keep. The best place to find evidence was at an actual site, much as he hated seeing them. The going, at least, was easy between these settlements. The paths traveled enough for lugeways to hold. Ligapog lay on her belly, her long form fit into the melted then refrozen groove of the road, propelling them along with her forelegs as the heat of her belly created a constant layer of water beneath, easing their passage and smoothing the luge for the next dragon to pass. He hadn't seen any since leaving this morning, which wasn't necessarily a sign that Makina's settlement had been the one attacked. With just her and the boy there, they didn't likely leave that often. Still, the harvester's description had pointed right to them. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that and that you're all caught up on the Dragon Bard. It is a fun story and part of what I'm looking forward to in 2022 is getting back to it and getting deep into it because I actually really love this story. I just, you know, am involved in writing the Tidecaller Chronicles right now. Um, so whatever stories come out of it, whatever marketing comes out of it, I'm excited to bring you more stories this year. And until then, as always, I hope this podcast finds you well and in the company of good books. Until next time, read on. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tidecaller Chronicles, please visit www.levijacobs.com. Or for a free audiobook, only available to podcast listeners, go to www.levijacobs.com slash free. Thanks for listening and read on.